Bruchim Habayim B'Shem Hashem B'Rachnuchem V'Es Hashem Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir Leon Nishmas Ruzlin Bas L'Chuchana Ezra Shimon Berav Yitzchok And Bayashe Bas of Yitzchok We come from the day of Chavdal Tevis, the outside of the Alter Rebbe. <coughs> the Shabbos, Shabbos of Archim Achidish Chidish Vot, popularly known as Chidish Vat. However, when we say Archim Achidish, we say Chidish Shvot. Shvat also in its own right famous for Yud Shvat Tuba Shvat Yud Shvat the passing of the previous Rebbe and the beginning of the Nasius of the Rebbe the Rebbe many times iterates reiterates that we should prepare ourselves for Yud Shvat. It's not a simple day. In many different ways, many different preparations that are taken for Yud Shvat. Rebbe spoke Sichis about Shleishim Yom Kedem Achag, 30 days before the Yom Tif. We prepare ourselves for the Yom Tif. ourselves for the Yom Tov, and therefore from Asara B'Tavis, from the 10th day of Tavis to Yud Shvat, 30 days, preparations were made always for Yud Shvat. The first time that I spoke about it, that I asked that it be broken up in three parts, three segments of 10, 10 days each, and Each ten day, every ten days, one should go to their mashpia, to their rav, and should get tested. And whatever they study, they should study a certain subject. They should go to their mashpia and be tested every ten days. And the rebbe said, he asked the rebbe also then asked that of the mashpiim, they should send their report to the rebbe on the tests that they asserted to their Mushpayim. Needless to say, it was very intense. Um, Baruch Hashem for us, it was not that severe because we were used to this. We were used to it in that before we went into Yechidus, private audience with the Rebbe, which we went in for our birthdays, You would have to have a test from yeshiva. It was a grueling test, actually. The test was on Nigla, on Chassidus, on Shulchan Aruch, on Tanya. 
certain amount of memorum had to be studied, certain amount of daf and gemara, simanim shachanarach, birokim tanya. It was a preparation which you didn't do in two weeks. Um, probably be better described that when you left your chiddus on your birthday, before your birthday, you began studying for the test for next year. Obviously, this curriculum that might have been, might not have been what you were learning in yeshiva at the time, and therefore you had to amass, you had to find time on the side to prepare for this test. So one might ask, and what if you fail the test? Big deal. But it wasn't so much, what if you fail the test? <laughs> you never gave, was you received an envelope from the yeshiva. You brought in to go into Yechidus. You gave the Rebbe two envelopes. One envelope with your letter, and one envelope was from yeshiva with the grades on your feher, on your test. And the Rebbe said once to somebody, that the bracha which the Rebbe gives is affected by the marks on the test. So needless to say, there was no failing your test. You applied yourself full-heartedly and you found yourself preparing for your chiddus from year to year. Similarly, Chassidim Rishenim did the same. They made preparations between Yechidus to Yechidus for the next Yechidus. They didn't have tests per se, but they made their preparations. Chassidim understood how to prepare to go into the Rebbe. One may ask, perhaps, what was the purpose? What was the Rebbe trying to do? What was the Rebbe trying to gain from this? It's difficult to describe. I've done it before. I've attempted to do before. Describing the feeling the emotion, the experience, being Yechidus with the Rebbe. Just you, yourself, and the Rebbe, sitting by his holy desk, and you standing directly across, we physically shook. Not the uh, just analogy, just giving you <coughs> a rough description. It was physical. We physically stood there shaking in front of the Rebbe. To date, I don't believe anyone can tell you that they came out of Yechidus and the Rebbe smacked them in Yechidus. I don't believe anyone was given a 
punishment of any sort. Um, charge the fee. So what was the fear? Why were you shaking? Interestingly, <coughs> we see many people that approached the Rebbe and spoke to the Rebbe, Panama Panam, like they were talking to their stockbroker, like they were talking to their doctor. People that took the Rebbe's hand, shook the Rebbe's hand, the Rebbe's holy hand. They must have been at quite a, a level, quite a madrega. But we as Chassidim knew that we didn't have much to sell, as we say. So much so that a Bacha once went into Yechidus with his hat on the back of his head and the Rebbe was doing something on his desk and when the Rebbe looked up to take his pan, <coughs> he asked him to put his hat forward and cover his metzah, cover his forehead because on his forehead everything is written and he has nothing to sell nothing to brag about yeah hearing that story most people say ouch because after all who knows what it says on our foreheads so going to Yechidus being alone in the holy Dalit Amis the holy four cubits of the Rebbe was a very, very special moment. And needless to say, nothing to be made light of. Part 2. So as Chassidim, morning, so as Chassidim, going into Yechidus, was a very, very tense moment. Not that we were scared per se, but the fear of God was put into us. And ha gufa, that's exactly the message, that's exactly the lesson, that's exactly what we were to learn and to understand from this. The fear of God. Just as Or was so. It says in Shachalarach that one should fear God as they fear a kingly personality, a human being, a king, a Melech Basavadam. Well, for the most part, in the olden days, yeah, most people heard of the king and knew about their king and knew their king was their this and their that and they used to follow the king and they were frightened of their king and the mention of the king sometimes caused people to tremble in their, their, their boots. For the most part, growing up in the U.S. of A, we don't know what a king is. <laughs> We don't know what royalty means. 
we don't experience these things, we never did experience these things. And the truth to be told, several years ago, one of the unmentionable presidents, about seven or eight years ago, we don't really have to mention who it was, everybody knows the nightmares that we still suffering from today. The video is refusing to record today. I don't know why, I don't remember why, nor care for that matter, came through Brooklyn. <clears throat> and in his visit to Brooklyn, not he wasn't, I don't know if it was a visit in Brooklyn or whatever it was, he ended up driving, his entourage came riding down Kingston Avenue. <laughs> no more, no less. How, what, when, I have no idea. He came down Kingston Avenue. No. It was, I think, Erev Shabbos, if I remember correctly. Friday afternoon. And everybody went out to, I'm not sure what, to see him. You weren't going to see him regardless. He's in a bulletproof uh, tinted windows of eight offenses. So we wouldn't have seen him regardless. But the whole community was out. King Snevi was lined on both sides of Chmanel and Tzlan. There Shabbos, nothing else to do. They were standing there officially to give COVID Hamim Shola. I don't want to say Malchus. Give honor to the Head of State, United States of America. And we did. And nobody knows if you saw him, you didn't see him, nobody knows which car it was in. You have those big knowers that say, oh, I know which car he was in, he was in this and this car. I actually saw the shape of his face, of his head. <sighs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares is the name name of the game. And but nobody stood in fear and trepidation. Nobody stood in honor and glory. I think they held up a bunch of Mashiach flags. <laughs> but uh I don't know if there were any United States flags hanging out, waving. I don't know how many. Everybody waved. What they're waving at, Veves. They stood. So we don't, unfortunately, don't have that fear of the king. But. As a chassid, we are zeicher. We merit to understand the fear with honor, with reverence, with respect. As we went into Yechidus, as we stood by Fabrengans, As we got dollars on Sundays, whatever interaction 
a chosid had with the Rebbe shook them to the core and the lesson a life lesson for us is when we think Shivisi Hashem the Samid and we think how God is here before us and we think how to apply the fear of God we have Ke'enze we have a similar something Pachoja something almost in the field of what fear what reverence what respect means so therefore when our tests for Yud Shvat three tests every ten days from Asada Batavis till Yud Shvat you didn't ask him Ashpia <laughs> so how did I do you knew yourself how you did was it fair on your Mashpia to have to sit there and write a duch, write a letter to the Rebbe? Basically. The Rebbe took these letters. The Rebbe took these letters to the ale. The Rebbe took these letters very seriously. It was a very intense moment. We definitely felt at the time the end of the 30 days would culminate with this Galus of Mashiach, the revelation of Mashiach himself. Because the Rebbe said the way we, the Rebbe had pushed the concept of the preparation and the way the Rebbe prepared us for it. And therefore, it was something that was very, very, very powerful. something that we, in ourselves, in our own rights, need to understand how we prepare now for Yud Shvat. Which is Shabbos, Shabbos of Varchem, as we said, Shkedesh will be Sunday, Monday, Yatshem, one day, there was a stutter when I said the word Sunday, was wrong, it's on Monday, I believe, and ten days after that would be Yud Shvat. Ashreinu matev chalkeinu manoyim geroleinu mayofa yirushaseinu being chassidim of the Rebbe being able to prepare for this, this auspicious day of Yud Shvat Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi I have a question for you Rabbi this Rebbe you speak of You speak so fondly of this Rebbe, you speak so holy, so great of this Rebbe. Was he a Rebbe only to his chassidim? Was he a Rebbe only for the people that followed him? Was he a Rebbe only the people that wanted to hear what he had to say? was he a Rebbe of others as well how does the Rebbe status work where does it fall into place
well. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I've told the story before of a taxi driver, non-Jewish taxi driver, mind you, that had a personal miracle with the Rebbe as he went to the aisle. And many such stories have come across. Recently, this nice film Jew is getting on a plane from, I believe, Memphis to New York. And the passenger next to him looked like a nice Balabatish person. And he says to the man, Good afternoon. My name is Ron. And the other fellow says, My name is Kevin. Kevin says to Ron very blatantly, openly, are you going to Brooklyn? <laughs> she says, actually I am. Um, I haven't been there 40 years, but I, I, I come from there. Ah, and you? No, 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 I'm going to Connecticut. He lives in, I don't remember the name of the place already, because it's skipping, because my mind is failing me. And um, this place in Connecticut is apparently the richest per capita in the United States, whatever it is. A rich guy. No, no, a rich guy is a rich guy. He says um, to Ron, he says, tell me, Ron, are you Lubavish? Lubavish? He says, uh, no, I'm actually not. What do you have with Lubavitch? See, so he tells him, did you ever hear of Ram? He says, Ram? Yeah, Ram. Well, now Ron is racking his brains. He's talking about a Rambam, maybe, maybe he's talking about Ram, there's no idea what this fellow is talking about, Ram, what Ram could possibly be. She tells him, Ram is race across America. Race across America. Oh, okay. He says, I never knew what a Jew was. Came to college, and I met these Jews that were actually Shemesh Shabbos. They kept Shabbos. Shabbos observant. I don't think he said Shemesh Shabbos. And I had no idea what Shabbos was until one day one of them said to me, uh, Kevin, I left the light on in my fridge. I can't open the fridge with lights on. So I said, what do you want for me? Well, I need the food out of the fridge. You want me to open the fridge for you? I'll open the fridge for you. I opened the fridge for them. He said, you know, he says, what are you going to do now? If I close it for you, when are you going to get it again? So he said, well, the light has to be taken out. So I took the light out. And every time something happened on Shabbos, or something needed to happen on Shabbos, they called me. And I became known as the popular Shabbos guy. And I got very intrigued with the Yiddishkeit, with Judaism, 
I read up a lot on it. Was very impressed. And I decided to check my own DNA. I checked my own DNA. I had it was 33% or something, I don't remember what percentage it was, of Jewish blood, Jewish ancestry. Alright. Bye, yay. And pre-pandemic, the last ram that we had, the race across America, I don't know, bikes, and we started going. We got to Utah, basically biking across the whole United States. We got to Utah, and we had like a rest area, whatever it was, whatever you want to call it. And we were sitting there, and this bunch of guys with hats and jackets came over, with black straps. And they started asking, anybody Jewish? First they started giving out food and drink, and then they asked if anybody was Jewish, and if they'd like to wrap the tefillin. And they asked me, and I said, they have blood ancestry in Judaism, but I'm not Jewish. I was remarried, settled down in my life, but I was definitely not Jewish. So, I <laughs> said, you have some ancestry, you want to come for Shabbos, you want to come there. They said, I said, no, no, it's fine, it's fine, we got a schedule, we have to get back on schedule, I can't. Okay. So the guy says, you know what? Here's a picture that ever. See, I look at this picture of this rabbi, and I say, uh, okay, what am I supposed to do with it? So take it with you, you never know, it's going to come to use. It'll watch over you. I took the picture. And I cherished that picture. I really did, I really liked this picture. <coughs> when I got home, I hung it on the fridge. I thought it was really, it meant something. I don't know what, but it meant something. And I had the picture hanging on the fridge in the, of the Rebbe. My 11-year-old daughter, who was 11 yet, younger, 11-year-old daughter, took a very strong connection and liking to the picture. And every night before she went to sleep, she would walk over to the picture and say, Good night, Rebbe. Good night, Rebbe. Whatever she said. She would say good night to the Rebbe. <laughs> Laugh. Cute. One night, my daughter woke up like 2 o'clock in the morning and realized she's not sleeping well. She didn't know why. And then she realized she didn't say goodnight to the Rebbe. So she went down to the kitchen to tell the Rebbe goodnight. She went down to tell the Rebbe goodnight and she smelled smoke. She smelled smoke and she screamed and yelled, woke us up. And we ran down, we found that the boiler was on fire. And the fire, the, the 
smoke detectors were faulty. And had she not gone down and smelled it, God forbid, the, co- the consequence would have been very severe. So now, I don't longer call myself Shabbos Goy, I call myself the Rebbe's Goy. True story. Ron, I think, is a rabbi in Sheikh, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. The guy that calls himself the Rebbe's guy. Halabai, we should be the Rebbe's guy. <laughs> uh, what happened to the Shia today? Let's get back to the Shia. Let's start focusing on the Shia itself. And the Shabbos is Pasha Va'ira. The second Pasha Chumash Mais. God tells Moshe, I want you to talk to Pare to let my people go. Va'ira is spelled Vav Aleph Reish Aleph. Vav Aleph said is seven, teaching us there are seven makkas, seven plagues in this parsha. Next parsha is Boi. Beis Aleph is three. There are three makkas in that parsha. Before anything goes down, before any makkas start, God insists, Hashem insists, Moshe, show Pari what it's all about. Tell Pari who the Ebisht is, what the Ebisht is. Who are they talking about? Who are they looking to liberate here? Who do they try to make free? Who are they sacrificing their lives for Moshe and Aaron to go before Pari? Now, it spoke before about the fear of a king. This guy was scary. And they were standing there in order to redeem B'nai Yisrael. At the time, B'nai Yisrael and was sunken into 49 levels of impurity. They were serving idol worship. They hit, they bottomed out practically. One more level, they'd be gone. For these people... Moshe and Aaron jeopardized their lives. They were God-fearing. They were from Shevet Levi. They kept mitzvahs. They kept everything they could. So much so that God actually spoke to them. And they're ready to go sacrifice for these people that were unfortunately so far from their God, but still was part of their nation. Who are you? Today's Perik Tanya, today's Shir Tanya, talks about the Benini. Talks about that person during davening, during Krishna, during Shemeneseh, he's in Holy of Holies. He's Sadik, he's Sadik Amar. A 
Alavai Bainini. The words of Rava. That Leshavik Marchai Lechalberi, you didn't let us, you're not letting us live, because if you're only a Bainini, and we know Leipasik Puyimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
how special and holy your neshama is. Your humility sets in, and your humility says, Eh, who am I? But the truth to be told, you are a very special person. Amongst the miracles that we learn about in this week's parsha, we don't read about, we don't hear about, we learn about. We hear that Moshe and Aaron went to Pari, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if Pari wants a sign on my face, tell Aaron to throw down his staff, and the staff will turn to a serpent. Mesha experienced this one already once. He pulled this one off and he didn't didn't like the one he had. So he said, Aaron, you do it with your staff. Mine's that mine's a bit dangerous. And Aaron did so. And Pari calls his magicians, his mischief makers, and tells them, Hey, do the same. And they throw down theirs and they do the same. Then the Pasuk tells us, listen to the wording, Aren't staff swallows, consumes theirs. Now, we're taking for granted that they all had their staffs turned into serpents and they reverted back to staffs. But, obviously, if the staff was a serpent that ate another serpent, I understand it. But according to the way the Pasuk is worded here, it says the staff swallowed the other staffs. It didn't consume the other staffs until it reverted back to a staff. What was going on here? Well, first and foremost, we have to understand the miracle of the staff swallowing the other staffs. Where does this even come about? Because didn't mention this. He told me, should throw down the staff, make it a miracle. He didn't say, take it one level more and have your staff swallow the other ones. What, let's focus, what went down in Egypt? All these miracles and plagues were not just to punish the Egyptians. They were to deter the animosity, the hatred of the Egyptians to God. Sinus explains my modem of the Alter Rebbe as we spoke before we should speak of words of the Alter Rebbe the outlook of the Mitzrayim on the world 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could not influence and rule the existence of the world the way it is today. According to their knowledge and understanding, once the world was created, it was put on automatic pilot and had its own natural sources and it's not HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we have that very problem trying to understand and trying to interpret and trying to translate and trying to implement in life godliness saying that where does the godliness come in of course the water goes flows down and the fire rises up etc etc things that are nature taking its course but we are told that this is the way that God hides himself within the world giving the person the leeway to think perhaps of such a way and through the, these makais, through these plagues that Akarj uh, that Baruch Hu inflicts the Egyptians he breaks this conception each one of them breaks down a different part of the ideology of the Egyptians starting off with the staff swallowing other staffs Aaron as we understand represents the Tzad HaKitusha the holiness his staff represents the godliness that's within Kedusha the serpents represent Egypt says Mitzrayim Hatanim HaGodol HaRevitz Mitachas Yehira Techa Yehira the all the big serpents that were in the waters so through the staff of Aaron turning into this serpent Aaron shows to Pari his Metzius being a serpent his essence Pari's essence. However, where does it come from? From my staff. And my staff is the epitome of holiness, of Kedusha. So Pari goes and brings his big knackers, and they go against, and they try to show the same thing. Their staffs also turn into serpents. And they said, that Mitzayim is the mocker of Kayach. And therefore, they have their own source of existence, their own power plant, and they don't need to come out to godliness. And the holiness, this is therefore the response of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Vayiv lamate aranes mate so the staff swallows their staffs this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is trying to bring out that all the sources of Kayak of the Sitra Akhra the other side it's not only a source or power to be dealt with 
but they don't have anything in Kedusha. It's totally from the other side of the, of the spectrum, with no existence in Kedusha. They have a source, but it's not from a holy place. And therefore, Kodesh Baruch Hu shows the Pari and Chachamim. You got nothing. Nothing here. The Shlita full force control of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on you as well. And this is the introduction. The general breaking down in the biggest source and the biggest thought pattern of the Egyptians. And afterwards came ten Makkas. Each one had its own way of breaking down, cracking down on the Egyptian and their lifestyle. From the little points of the story, we could learn how many different generalizations there are in Avedis Hashem. When we come to the fellow Jew, we need to come and face and confront a fellow Jew out of love, out of unconditional love, out of endearment, as Aaron Akayan was Ayev Shalom Vereidev Shalom. He loved peace and chased peace, pursued peace. He was Ayev Sabriyes Mekarvan Lateda. He loved the creations. And he brought them closer to Tera. But in his Aveda, we find sometimes different levels. Sometimes we find there's no choice in the matter. But first to break the bad, the evil. If we do need to, which is Yemin Mekareves Smerdecha. The right hand we bring closer, and with the left hand we push away. If we do need to use the Smerdecha a little bit, which unfortunately sometimes does need to happen, we have to remember that this Pula has to be done through Mata Aran with love with silk gloves, with proper attention, with respect. Don't get any evil inclinations, evil um, intentions whilst doing so. Another thing, when we need to consume and swallow the mitzias, the existence of the other, Again, this needs to happen with a staff, not with a serpent. The difference between the staff and the serpent is the staff represents a coolness, a calmness. Whereas on the other hand, the serpent is always anger and emotional. We have to take out the bad from the fellow person 
in a calm and a cool and a relaxed fashion calm, cool and collective as it's known not angering not getting tumult, not screaming not yelling like a dry staff you're not going to get any emotions out of a dry stick and the same way here it should be done with the utmost caring and the utmost love and attention that we could possibly give also as we know that the staff is a daimane something that's growing it has no emotions whatsoever whereas the sanin, the, the serpent it goes out and it, uh, it, look, it looks to hurt it looks to strike, it looks to kill it looks to destroy So the main focus here is Vidaitem Kiani Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants that they should know that He is Hashem. Why Mitzrayim? What was wrong with any other nations? So we said now, Mitzrayim, Egypt, had its sorcerers and many, many different levels of impurity. And all those levels of impurity were able to do so many things that were so horrific. And therefore, Akadosh Baruch did not choose to destroy them, but to break them down but rather simply to raise up the creepers, to raise up all these different shells and, and separating the bad from the good and seeing to it that the world notices and realizes that it wasn't just out of a no-name nation that the Eden were freed, but from rather the strongest of all, with all the biggest, highest levels, lowest levels of Tumah, with all the magic and the magicians and the black magic and everything else that went on in the Sitra Akhra, from this nation they were redeemed. This Sakharaj Baruch wanted to show as well, to show how not just a person became a doctor in some college in the Midwest, in under, I don't know what kind of name, which you never heard of. But he became out. He came out of Harvard. He came out of Yale. He came out of here. He came out of all the best medical centers in the world, and he's now a doctor. Everybody's looking at this doctor with a total different perspective. And here too, the Jewish nation was freed from a nation that was known to be the nation of the world. No slave ever escaped from Egypt. And from here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes the Eden out. However, he takes them out of Mitzrayim. We made Seitz Chomeretz Mitzrayim. 
We spoke about this many times. The days that you left Egypt. It doesn't say the day, it's the days. What's plural? You left Egypt one time. Once you're out, you're not going out of Egypt. You're going, you're going further away from Egypt, but you're not leaving Egypt any longer. So we tell us, no, Mitzarim Mitzrayim is the word Mitzarim Agvulim. We are left within our own boundaries, we are left within our own confines. confines. And we, tr- we face many trials and tribulations, we face many different tests from things that we've been through, things that we've had, things that have been done to us, things that have been said to us, things that we, we were acted at, acted to, things we had too much of, things that we had nothing of, things that we were deprived of. We go through all these different things, and these are restraints, these are mitzarim, that hold back doing what we need to do, becoming who we need to become, acting the way we need to act, and this, therefore, is a direct mitzvah each and every day for every one of us to take ourselves out of our mitzvah, out of our boundaries, out of our restraints, break through, tear through, overcome. How? How? I'm alone. I have no one. I have nothing. How do I overcome? HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not forsake. And uh, suddenly, out of nowhere, out of the most remote and the most remarkable, we find all of a sudden the salvation, which is not a person. It's not a thing. It's not an entity. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself coming, using this entity as a vessel, as a conduit, to help overcome and to bypass and to survive, to persevere, and to forge ahead. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu should give us that very bracha, that we should be able to overcome these moments, these hardships, the doubts that we suffer, the doubts that we go through, we don't know how and who and what's the right thing to do, and what's the right thing to say, and how to act and how to react. And just persevere and say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm in your hands. You're my pilot, you're the driver here, and I have complete faith on Imam and Shlema that what you're putting me through will ultimately be for the good, and I will find good in it, and you will find good in me, and may we be all found merits, schusim, may we all forgive anything and anyone that we need to, and we all be able to forge ahead and move on with our lives, with our Avedat HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and may we be Zeicha this very Shabbos to the Va'era, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu appearing to us as well, not only to our forefathers, and taking us out of this bitter, bitter Golos this Shabbos we say the Tehillim and we move on with all the other brachas that we need Shabbat Shalom to all